Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Another episode here. I'm joined today with Marty Hill from Hyper Clean and Pites and Polishing Podcast, who is cracking open something special as we speak. Yeah, I'm, today I'm mixing up a little uh, Guava Sao Paulo. It's a Ooh. nice little flavor of this fancy LaCroix sparkling water. All right. Oh. Mixing that with a little Captain, man. I figure nice. I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I love it. I love it. So, so me, I'm on my uh, ninth or maybe 11th coffee by now, uh, but mixed with a little of my special rum juice in there too. So I, I think it's technically like a Brazilian coffee when it, uh, so you, you really do, you mix rum with your coffee. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Not all the time. Like I don't start my morning like that. <laughs> well, not most mornings, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, no, no. It just gives it a nice little, uh, you know, something, but it depends on the coffee too. I don't know if I'd Ooh. recommend that. That was not a good flavor. Uh-uh. No, what's the? That's kind of weird. I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes oh, that's what happens, right? Like you just you're mixing shit up, and it, sometimes like, it works. Oh, yeah. Let me try this. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna yeah. have to. I have to put a little bit more captain in there. I think. That's true. Well, yeah, it's funny actually. The, usually, like if I'm making a cocktail, for example, I'll, I'll make a Negroni. So I take that. It's got you've got your gin, your campart. Oh, it's that bad, huh? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Oof. Hey, you, you ever watch The Office? No, I never did. No? Oh, I man. could never get into TV shows. My okay. problem was, my problem was, I could never remember when they were on. And everybody's uh, like, "Oh, you got DVR." I'm like, "No, we didn't have DVR back then." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> we just didn't have it. Like, you had to set the timer if you're gonna. Exactly. For all you people that know how to organize your life, that's awesome. You can remember to sit down at the same time every week. Yeah. I don't get that opportunity. <laughs> I'm too blah blah blah. blah. So if you so miss it, it's I, just gone. <laughs> yeah, I never could get into shows because of that. That's why I like movies. And I just uh, yeah, I would always because yeah. I could get I could get my movie. I could get my thing for two hours, and I'm good. Yeah, I have yeah. enjoyed that, though, now that everybody's switched to, you know, streaming and you can just, you know, On binge demand. watch a whole show yeah. series. That's great. It's but true. Yeah, yeah. I, I could but never before, get into the office. All right. So well, me, oh, I love the office. But uh, yeah, it's I got into it because I watched the UK version of it. But anyways, the, and it was really good. I like UK uh, humor, like British humor. But uh, anyway, so this episode of the office, though, they had this like energy drink that was an investment. It didn't take off too well. And uh, the guy asked what the flavor was, and it was like uh, coconut piss. And anyway, so then, but then later, one of the bosses took a sip of one of the bottles, and he's like, "Oh, why'd they add coconut? I missed the original." And it's like, <laughs> so it was just piss before. <laughs> yeah, so that's probably what the what that is you're drinking there. It's the coconut. <laughs> and I couldn't get into the office either because everybody said, you know, right? It's a corporate joke stuff, and I never, uh, yeah, yeah, never was in that setting. So. The ones that I did watch, I just kind of was like, okay. Yeah, you're like, I don't really understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't really get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, that's the thing. I don't, I don't watch a lot of TV though. I'm kind of like you. Like, um, usually I'll throw something on if I like, you know, it's late. I'm doing some work and I just need something in the background kind of thing. But uh, mostly, I, I actually prefer movies too. But the thing is, my wife can't stand them. It's like rare. We'll watch maybe two movies a year together. That's it. Yeah, she. Mm. Yeah, it, it's too much of like a time commitment for the movie. After like an hour, it, it has to be like a really good movie. If it's after 45 minutes to an hour, she's like, man, this is, she, she'll yeah. fall asleep, like literally. And, so, uh, so that's exactly, that's exactly what happens with us. Our standstill okay. is A, she won't watch any sci-fi. Okay. Oh, shoot. That's gone. At all. <laughs> gone. At all right. No sci-fi. Well, that, that brings in a whole world of fun movies. Yeah, yeah. And then no horror movies. Okay, oh, so that's gone. All right, that's gone. Yeah. I mean, then you're left with left with really action. Yeah. And there's only so many action movies that you can watch with a girl, and that drills to comedy. Yeah. We don't watch any of the drama, some stuff, but I mean, every once in a while, we turned yeah. on the other day. I was just looking through comedies. And we turned yeah. on Jack and Jill. Jack oh, and Jill. Adam Sandler. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that one was funny. <laughs> like I was like, hold on, I'm gonna need to go. Uh, I'm going to yeah, elevate yeah, yeah. myself for just a moment. And sure enough, exactly. I mean, we had a great fun time. It was. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Especially after that. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's the only that's, way. That's the best way to watch a movie. Oh, hundred percent. And you know, it's funny. A lot of people uh, don't like the Adam Sandler movies, but they, they, they are good. If you just want that, I just want to laugh at some stupidness, yeah. you know, like that's what they're great for. And they always follow the same kind of recipe. So it's, uh, you know, like, you know, it's what you're going to get same people, the yeah, exact exactly. same people, exact same people. Always. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll be like always. the same theme. 
but then yeah. they just like change locations or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always the same people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, All right, so I'm man. curious, man. Uh, I've I've heard the convoy is getting to be a bit crazy up there in uh, in yeah, O Canada, and some... didn't they even uh, they blocked off that main artery coming into the states, and there was people getting yeah. arrested and all kinds of stuff, right? Oh yeah, yeah, they just cleared that one out with uh, the Windsor Bridge, yeah, because that's a big one. That was a huge one, and so they they called in uh, the RCMP, which is kind of like what would be that your equivalent? Our guard. Yeah, kind of, I guess, National, the, the Guard. Guard, National Guard, something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's like, it's not quite the FBI. The it's semi-pro. Like, it's the yeah, semi-pro. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're not the SEALs, they're the retired SEALs, you know. It's, <laughs> yeah, but uh, so they called them in to, you know, remove people, things like that. They formed a huge line and just, like, told people basically to leave. Uh, there, there were some arrests, but it's not quite, li- like, most people just left. Like, they just, uh, you know, like, when a couple people got arrested and stuff, and the rest of people just left. Like, it wasn't a huge thing um so it's it's kind of we're pretty peaceful people to be honest like it's not you know if this was a lot of other countries that probably would have ended a little differently you know what i mean but yeah uh, that's crazy yeah here they would have started <laughs> started uh burning buildings like yeah, exactly. gone into some shit, like taking them apart brick by brick yeah exactly. yeah well here we're just kind of like oh okay I see, that's why i never a- understood you like okay you want to have a protest that's awesome like i feel sorry for the shop owners that get oh. vandalized what the hell did they yeah. do exactly uh, just because like, they had a shop on their street then you exactly. got to go break up their shit and go tear like that's, that's, so that's the part i always hated too yeah and so we we have no. noticed though oh go ahead go ahead oh no no go ahead go ahead. okay so there, there's been some like uh the, the news has been reporting things that aren't true and things that are true whatever you know people can watch and judge their own opinions but um one of the problems is we have this thing here at CBC. Uh, so it's Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. They do news, but it's government owned, government funded, all that stuff. So the articles they put out are very pro whatever the government's believing at that time. But they do it in a way that it seems like it's like free journalism, right? Like it's, a, oh, this is you're getting both sides of the story, but it's very much one direction kind of thing. Right. Um, so they were reporting a lot of stuff, but then people started realizing that they were only reporting one side of the story and they started blocking them from accessing like the people that were there and they stopped talking to them and stuff like that. And they would bring in other reporters that were more open to hearing both sides of the story. So that, that was a good thing, but the, the blockade's still going on here in Ottawa, but the one in Windsor, they did break up. Uh, the one in Ottawa, I think we're on like day 18 now or something like that. Uh, it's been a while. They've been there almost three weeks, uh, which is, I mean, it's pretty easy to do when you have trucks there. It's basically a, a little apartment on wheels. Um, but it's been mostly peaceful. Like there, there's videos that people are taking and they're, they're walking around and people will like, you know, wave and they'll be like, Oh, we love you freedom. It's, like it's, it's people sitting in hot tubs, drinking beer. <laughs> like it's, it's not compared to protests in a lot of other countries. Like it's, it's, it's quite different, you know? So I mean, eventually I guess they just have to go back to, I mean, how do you, in a month, how do you <laughs> two months? I mean, I, yeah, like, and so that's kind of my, my thoughts on it too, is like, at some point you got to just, okay. Like, like what's your goal, you know? So, mm-hmm. excuse me, what they want to have happen seems like it is happening. So March 1st, we're supposed to be getting rid of these things, like these mandates, you know? Oh, okay. uh, yes. Yeah, so we're still going to have to wear masks uh, in most settings. Um, but a lot of places you won't have to. And uh, things like vaccine passport, like proving that you had it or not, that's going to be scrapped. So stuff like that, uh, which, which, in most settings, like these things make sense, you know, but one of the big issues that people had that they didn't highlight too much was uh, the number of people you can have in your house. Because for a long time, like last two years, we've had restrictions on, you can only have five people at your house. And if you live alone, you can have, I think it was four. And if you are a family, you can have an additional one person or something like that. Like there were these weird rules and there was a video, uh, New Year's, I think it was New Year's Eve or it was Christmas Eve, one of the two, um, the police went because a neighbor called in and they kicked down the door and basically arrested uh, some guy's mom and, and his cousin or something because they had too many people in the house and they gave them a fine like $1,300 a person or something like that. And so these are the things that people were saying, that's what we want to get rid of. Like it, they weren't so much even anti-vaccine. They were most of them were vaccinated. They were just like, look, like we don't want these extra rules. And if we all got the jab because you said, if we get the jab, then we'll be free and all this stuff. Well, we did that. What's next? And then our prime minister went into hiding. And then uh, 
they got into a big argument at the Parliament Hill the other day and he just got up and left. So it's like, like you got to talk to the people, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you work for us, bro. Like, what are you doing? And so that's where, you know, saying things like, oh, I'm not going to talk to these people because I their views are unacceptable. It's like, well, wait a minute. Like, this is a democracy, not a, you know, like, mm-hmm. you're not the king, you know? Like, so I think that that's where a lot of people got their frustrations. However, then they showed up to the city and they started honking their horns all hours of the night. So, of course, people nearby got pissed off. And then uh, that's what they were complaining about is that uh, the, the, it caused a division, basically. Like, there was the residents that were mad because these people showed up and started honking their horns and stuff. And some of these people, they're like crazy. Like they believe that you should be like driving in your car by yourself with a mask. on. They're like, that's the only way we're going to beat this. Got to be safe at all times. And it's like, oh man, <laughs> you know, the seatbelts they put on the outside of the car, you got to put those on too. Um, so it's like, it's just nonsense, <laughs> but it, so it's, it, you know, there's mixed opinions, mixed views. I'm hoping it ends soon because people need to get back to work. But even myself, I have an office downtown. I can't even access the building. The uh, landlords closed the, the building. Uh, fortunately, like our shop is outside of the downtown core. So we're good. Um, but it's just, you know, things like that. Like, you know, I don't know. Like, uh, I do believe in freedom, though. But so it's a mess. It's a mess. Basically, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah, so blockade's still going on. People are the numbers, I think, have dropped, though. The number of people that are there. I, I think some people have either because they had to like they're there for a long time you got to go back see your kids your family your wife your job probably stuff like that like what do you do but uh i think a lot of them are realizing too like we're getting some of the mandates removed and like at what point did you make a point you know like have you did you make your your message the guy in the hot tub's not there to make a point no he's not that (laughs) he's making a point just not that he's he's making he's just there for a good time yeah it's spring break for him you know <laughs> yeah so that's where i think so did, did what did you do during quote unquote to me i consider corona yeah. like a a one month two week period back in like mid march uh, to april of 2020 you know that's that's when it was here and it just everything got locked down for that oh, two man. three weeks or so i mean it wasn't a sense like a spring break like yeah. I, I still came into work every day. Yeah, every yeah. day I came into work. But Jeez. it was a fucking party. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had zero responsibilities because the world was shut down. I mean, I, true, yeah. I was on my yoga mat editing videos is what I was doing. I mean, I had a blast. Jeez. I mean, yeah, I had yeah. a good time. Like, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, I worked every yeah. day and had a blast doing it. But I kind of really enjoyed the no pressure. Right? Uh, I mean, if the world shut down and you're still moving that just meant i was a hit like i was like because everything else was shut down yeah (laughs) like everybody else is closed down cool i'm gonna just take my time to kind of move my way on up a little bit but i enjoyed the nobody on the streets i enjoyed the no pressure i enjoyed the real chill moments of it i don't what did you do uh so for us we the same thing worked like our shop never closed down so that kept going my other businesses as well they stayed open Uh, The only one that closed down for a brief period of time was our printing shop, but that wasn't really closed down because of like a mandate or a law or anything like that. It just made sense because shipping was going to be a nightmare. You know what I mean? Like it was going to be so expensive. And remember at that time, we didn't know how it really contracted. It's true. Yeah. If you were going to send, you know, print stuff for people. Yeah. No, no. I mean the print stuff for people. If you're going to print stuff for people like, Oh, you're like, here I'm printing this and giving it to you. Like to me, that would make it's me true, go, the yeah, hand to hand. Yeah, yeah, I can see why that would kind of. One area where it was awesome though is on the flip side uh, when people had to start printing like you know stickers for like stay six mm-hmm. feet apart, wear a mask, all that kind of stuff. Business exploded, which was awesome. Um, so so that was good, and not not to say that you know like <laughs> capitalizing on you know the the situation, the world, but at the same time, hey, you know that's business, right? So it was an hey. opportunity. I saw it. Hey, hey. We took it. Yeah, yeah. It just worked out well. But uh, yeah. so, but for us, it was uh, not a month and a half. For us, it was, uh, we just finished our, they called it phase three, I think, of like reopening. Uh, we finished that two or three months ago, and then they closed it back down again. So we were like locked down. They even went into stores and they put uh, tape across aisles and they said, this is non-essential. You can't buy stuff that's there. And when you looked at some of it, it was like, there was a whole row of books, for example, because our grocery stores, a lot of them sell books. And they would block that whole section off and they would say books are non-essential. 
And I remember because my daughter, she wanted a comic book. She loves comics. We went in to get her one and the whole aisle was like boarded up, couldn't buy it. And then I, I remember I got a bunch of canned stuff. So I was like, I don't know how long this is going to go on for. So let me just make sure we have a bunch of canned goods. And did you get into the food rationing stuff? I uh, almost did. Like, sort of. I, almost. I was yeah. I was on that little fringe of, I mean, I bought the big, I bought a bunch of water. I bought a bunch of toilet. Yeah. So my funny thing, though, was I thought I was buying a bunch of toilet paper from Amazon. Yeah. But it well, turns no. out that I had clicked this other thing that I had seen. That was oh, a, seemed to be a better deal, and I just wasn't paying attention. It was it was kind of like shit had just hit the fan. I was like, oh gosh, I gotta hurry up and get these. So I was yeah. just clicking buttons as fast as I could. What did you buy? Fucking paper towels. Oh, I had fucking two cartons of paper towels. Oh, Big ass God. fucking boxes of paper towels. And I'm like, Jesus. And there was a moment I ran out of toilet paper. Like I had to go get toilet paper Jesus. from people. Like the oh, stores man, were all crazy. gone. You couldn't find it anywhere. Oh, Even man. the cheap yeah, shit, was- you couldn't find it. It's true. Yeah, yeah. It was like that here. But uh, like we have a bidet in the house. So like I wasn't too worried because like we don't use that much toilet paper. <laughs> I mean, but, I've seen them. And at one yeah. time younger in life, I thought about sitting on one just to, you know, <laughs> you know just what? to uh, have that experience. But honestly, I mean, what, what is it really like? Because you know I, I still even even water shooting up there. I'm like, I got to I got to wipe at some point, don't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the end, but you, you use like 90% less toilet paper and, and all you're wiping away is just water, right? Uh, but the, honestly, feels so good, so clean. And the difference, <laughs> no joke. And the difference, Marty, <laughs> it's like, like it's, actually, it feels good, man. It does feel good. Yeah. I, I sometimes I don't even have to go. I just use it. <laughs> but, you know I don't think I tell is? many people. It's, it's, it's like going from <laughs> dial up to high speed. No joke. It's like, the difference is night and day, man. It's it's like going from a Honda Civic to a Ferrari. Like no joke, difference is night and day. Yeah, you. Gotta, I mean, it's a lot of high pressure. Then, like, do you sometimes you can, like you can adjust squeeze the it closed because you're like, oh geez, that might have <laughs> got up there. <laughs> so depending who used it first, because you can adjust the, the pressure and you can adjust the angle and you can adjust the temperature, everything. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's fancy. Just the temperature. Yeah, if you want it warm, you want it cold, you want it, you know, lukewarm, room temperature. <laughs> whatever you huh. want yeah i'm telling you know you. as as much as we're going through toilet yeah. paper in my house i, I you know yeah, I, yeah. I get it but you oh, know man. that's definitely here in oklahoma <laughs> i don't know man it, that's you don't find those very often at all like, i imagine yeah but you know what it's cleaner though it's, it's funny like uh, north america is one of the only countries that uses like toilet paper to this equivalency like uh, most places, like bidets and things like that, that's the commonplace thing. You know? Or if you're over in Southeast Asia, well, yeah. most part. So in China, yeah, they don't really use restrooms. You're right. You, yeah. I was walking next to a monk. I thought it was really cool. I was walking down the streets of China and I was like, oh, there's a monk. Cool. And I was just walking along. The monk was gone. And I'm like, what the hell? And I look back <laughs> and he's over behind a car. Yeah. A skirt lifted up, taking a shit. <laughs> Right in the middle of the fucking street. Right. When so you, you either go. got that in China or in yeah. Southeast Asia, you got don't ever shake somebody's left hand. Right. Uh, so that's why they always put their left hand below or here. Or they always hide their left hand. If they're going to shake their hands, you do not touch their left hand. Oh, shit. Damn. Okay. Good. Yeah. To know. Because Holy if you go into the public restrooms there, there's yeah. very limited toilet paper. Uh, you have to buy it actually uh, from oh, a little shit little kiosk thing if, if you're a white guy and you go oh hell no i gotta go buy toilet paper uh yeah. and they've got they've got the little little bin but they always have they don't have a bidet there but they got a little place to wash your hands but basically they that's would wipe them they wipe, wipe themselves, themselves with their hand Jesus. and that's why you never touch their left hand that's what they always use holy shit life hack right there just that's a <laughs> No, life hack. Don't touch the left hand. That's the life that's hack. That's what not, I mean. That's not, the don't wipe hack. your. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's stay <laughs> with toilet paper and bidets, please. <laughs> Let's stay with toilet paper and bidets because I think you have seen the way I've seen. Yeah. Uh, especially here, nobody washes their fucking hands. That's still. I exactly. really enjoyed during the corona. I really enjoyed how clean everybody was. Yes. Now exactly. it's like, I just what the fuck happened? Did not. Yeah. What, why did everybody go back to being disgusting? Like, let's go back to being clean. What's wrong yeah, with exactly. being clean? Like, it's 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 pretty easy too. Like, wash your fucking hands. Yeah, exactly. This isn't rocket science. Oh, <laughs> I know. Good. I laugh at the fact that they still have like advertisements on TV 
teaching people, you know, how to wash their hands. Like uh, we'll watch YouTube and there's commercials that come on in between. And some of the ads are like from our government and it's telling people like how to properly like blow your nose, clean your hands and stuff. And I'm like, really, is this like stuff that adults need to, to figure out? Like, I mean, public school system, let them down, man. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, but but yeah, All right, so yesterday, was, yesterday yeah. was a big day, right? Uh, so yesterday, yeah, Valentine's Day and my wife's big day birthday. For you? So it's like two in one. Yeah. But not two in one for gifts, but two events in one. Yeah. I, so, I went, I went over to on gifts. I, I didn't oh, know shit. gifts. Uh, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Oh, I, I got it. I got it today. Uh, go try and dig Make myself up. out. I, <laughs> at least you, you at least you had, you know, a birthday and you could really, you can almost double into one, like you said, right? So how, what was her age? What was uh, she turned? So 38. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. I know. And then uh, me, I'm 37 right now. So she's a little bit older, but uh, Cougar, uh, cougar. I know, right? <laughs> I tell her that all the time. <laughs> but uh, I never could, man. I never, even my age or a year, like I one time out of my divorce, I dated somebody that was a couple years older than me. Yeah, and it was and fun just, for like it. Yeah, it was fun for a couple <laughs> moments. I was like, I just can't do this. Like I just, I never could. I always had to date younger. Always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that a traditional guy yeah. that every year in school. Ah, uh, yeah. I, freshman meat here's that fresh meat like yeah, yeah. that's the way it was man i always even so. in college like i just i've always <laughs> dated younger um, yeah, yeah, yeah my girlfriend's now she's 36 i'm 40 okay okay my yeah, yeah. was 42 and she was 27 that was nice that was funny. oh shit yeah see that that gap is uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes you wake up was, you'd yeah. be the old man that wakes up and you go hell yeah goddamn yeah yeah exactly <laughs> life ain't too bad <laughs> yeah life ain't too bad yeah, that's awesome yeah so, so what'd you guys us, do what'd uh, you guys so, do to celebrate yeah so we don't usually do the like the two for one i try and separate them because like before all our old boyfriends and stuff that's what they did they you know did the two for one or they just forget completely <laughs> and no shots fired Marty. <laughs> but <laughs> so then uh but so for us uh drop the kids off i went to visit my parents drop the kids off with them for the weekend and then uh you can't hear now I can. Yeah. It got oh. silent there for a second. Oh, that was weird. So yeah, I went to drop the kids off and then, uh, basically had a nice dinner here, bought a massage table. Uh, so gave a massage as well. Um, so yeah, it went all out. Gave the massage, yeah. not bought a massage table and had somebody do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, now we own the table, so it's, a <laughs> yeah, but gave, gave the massage, but now I can also get massage as well. So, but, uh, so did that and then uh, got her some clothes, some gifts, bought her a greenhouse because uh, she grows a lot of food stuff. So got her a new greenhouse, grow lamps, all this stuff. And uh, yeah, it was nice. But we had a nice uh, dinner. I made T-bone steak with butterfly lobster tail on top. Yeah, it was it was nice, you know. Yeah, yeah. Damn, Sean, up, you do it right. Set huh? up the candles and everything. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Of course, man. Yeah, why not? You know. Okay. Me, that's, how do you do? Like, how do you how do you do your steak? Yeah. Uh, so she likes it like medium rare, and then me. Uh, but I. I in this case, it's too cold to do barbecue. Usually I'll do barbecue. Uh, but in this case, just cast iron pan and uh, good to go. Love the cast iron. Oh, my God. Okay. So you literally, it's just so cold. You can't even go out to the was yeah, it, I wouldn't grill. Even, yeah. Like it's, it's brutal. Like uh, the last, you know, what's weird. We've had days where it was uh, so warm. It felt like spring. And then the next day it would be like world record temperatures. Um, like we had in Fahrenheit, I think it was like minus 12. Something like that. It's freezing cold. Yeah, but the day before, like the ice was melting. You could see the concrete, like no more snow or ice. It was amazing. Next day, flash freeze. And so the last two days were, were the same thing. So Valentine's Day was, man, it was like, I think they said record. It was like the third or fourth coldest place on the planet. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. And then uh, hard pass. Hard yeah, pass. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. And see, and my guys, they all showed up to work still. So no excuses <laughs> you gotta work the list man you got shit to do get it done but uh yeah. yeah so but something i wanted to talk about today though was discounts um i mentioned it before our call but i've seen a lot of stuff in the uh chats about discounts and i'm gonna get to that is that because it's been so cold and stuff like that that a lot of a lot of people would think okay it's cold there's a blockade no one's coming in Maybe discounts would be a good way to like bring people in and stuff. But uh, I wanted to get your feedback on what you think about discounts. And yeah, discounts, sheesh, man, that's a tough one, right? Like, 
absolutely right. And marketing discounts bring people in. Mm-hmm. In detailing, we question if those are the right people that we want in. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, is that the right it, person to work on your vehicle? Yeah, is that the right yeah. person that we want in our business? Now, <laughs> if you're young in business and you need people into your funnel, quote unquote, discounts do do that. Right. But then are those the right people to grow your business long-term? Will you be able to keep those people coming on a regular basis? Or was that discount that you gave to the minivan that took you six hours? Did you, you know, are they what, ever coming back? <laughs> they ever coming? Was it worth it? You know, I, yeah. I don't, I don't know that. They, I, I always say there's no, one way to run your business. I really don't. Hundred percent. And I always harp on the people that are these quote unquote trainers that tell you how this is how you should run your business, mm-hmm. but they haven't actually been in a detailing business for I don't know twenty years. You know, like yeah. ten years. I mean, yeah. and then how many of them are working for another company, but they're going to teach you <laughs> business how to, how while they're an employee. Size. Yeah, right? exactly. I'm an employee, but let me tell you how to run your business. Yeah. What the fuck it's, is that? Exactly. You don't know you don't know your ass from your elbow. And no. that's I, I agree. And because the guy so, that buys the discount, he's not buying from your company, he's just buying based on the price. It's just well, it was the cheapest price or whatever. Right. And is that wrong? It's not wrong. If you need, right? I mean, if you just simply you're at that point where you go, I need people. I I need to clean a car today. I don't have cars to clean. I need this guy that's over here twiddling his thumbs and I'm pissed off at because he's not doing what I think he should be doing on these cars. I need another funnel where I just get these random cars that come in. So I keep this guy busy and Hey, I make an extra 15 bucks an hour off of him. Exactly. But at least that ain't a lot to get giddy up about. Is it? It's not a lot that gives you a chubby, but but does it get cars coming in? Does it keep movement? There is 100%. something in business about volume, right? Like yeah, 100%. there is something about just having volume coming in your shop. The interesting part as owning a car wash is we gave discounts all the time. Yeah. You know, we did it all automatic and they could go in and, you know, press their own code. So the code and then, yeah, the people at the street didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. what we always found is the more times that, there was a couple cars that came. Hey, there might be a couple more. If you could get get a couple stacked up, you were about to get six stacked up. Is there something about the way people see business and they just see people there that, that makes them want to be a part and want to, Oh, okay. They're a busy shop. Like, Hey, I should come do business with them because I see a lot of cars here. hundred percent. So when something looks busy, I agree. I think it's, it's kind of like a visual review. It's, it, monkey see monkey do if oh other people are trusting this guy to do work so you want to go there too like if you're driving down the road and you're kind of feeling hungry or something you see this restaurant in the plaza and there's no cars in the parking lot and there's no one inside it's still a place you could probably get some good food but if you see you know just down the block you see another place and there's you know tons of people waiting outside or something you might be like well i have to wait a little bit but the food must be good you know you instantly would think that in your head so i think that volume 100 percent but but also I find volume solves a lot of other problems too, is that, uh, for example, no shows, like no shows are going to happen, you know, but when these guys, they, they've got three jobs on their calendar. If you have two no shows, that's a big deal. Like you just had like 65% or more of your clients just disappear for the week. But if you've got 40 jobs on your calendar and you've got three or five or even 10 no shows, that's a, still a high number, but compared to the volume you have, you're still busy. So it's, it's okay. It's not, it's not, it's not the same. So I think volume helps that way. The The material you're going to buy, like the inventory, you're going to have more of it on hand and get a discount because you're buying so much more of it. There's just, there's benefits to volume all around. And if you have, you know, 200 customers in a month, if you find a way to sell each of them, something that's $10 more, you're making a lot more money versus if you've got six guys, now you've got to upsell them something for like a thousand dollars to, to make that, that extra, you know? So volume, I'm, I'm a big fan of volume. I think that, uh, and, and, oh, and we speaking do discounts, of, but we keep them hidden. Okay, yeah, so in speaking of, of discounts, uh, and yeah. speaking of upsells, there 100%. is a theory in business that you give people a discount to get them in the door. Yeah. But then the it's our meters. responsibility 
upsell is, them. Yeah, is to yeah. do the upsell. So what, what does that look like for you? Yeah, so for us, so a lot of people <laughs> have laughed and criticized and in the groups, they're all like, oh, I would never clean a car for that price. I won't even get out of bed for that price because we had a promo running, $120, full inside and out. Didn't even care how dirty the car was, okay? But all the things that these other guys would, you know, take care of for free in their $600 detail package, like the pet hair and stuff like that, we were charging extra for that. So it was $120 full inside and out, but it was managing their expectations when they came in. So they would come in, we would explain to them like, hey, listen, this is what you can expect from this detail. This is what your car is going to look like. I see you have, you, you know, clearly you've got like five dogs or something. Your back seats are just atrocious. We can handle that for you too. It's going to be an extra $75. And, oh, we can do this for you. It's going to be an extra little bit of this and that. Next thing you know, by the time the guy's leaving, that ticket has just tripled in value, right? Um, so that was one way for us. But the big thing for us too was just focused on making a process that the $120 that we were doing these details was profitable but it wasn't about that. It was about getting them in the door because I didn't want to spend a lot of time arguing with someone about why our interior detail package was $350. Because at that point, he's got a big decision to make where his wife is probably saying, you know what, this weekend, Marty, you're cleaning it instead because we're not spending $350 on that because she's like, I could get a Manny Petty done for that. I could get this and that done for that. Like she's looking at that. So they're going to get into an argument. Now I've got to explain to this guy and try and justify it. Instead, just $120 like I'm paying my guys, you know, a decent wage, but we're still making a huge profit on that detailing. The margins are massive because the product you're using is so cheap in comparison. Like it's like, you're making a pair of Nikes that they make for like $2. You're doing the same thing for like $2 and then you're selling it for 150 bucks. There's no problem. Yeah. You should literally have 30 to 40% profit. Oh, your profit. Yeah. Yeah. Easily, right? Yeah. Easily. And but you know, we tell people you should <laughs> spend at least 40 to 50% on labor. Mm-hmm. And that blows people's mind because they're used to <laughs> man, I just yeah. want to pay my guys eight, ten. Now we've seen ads, local yeah. detailers here <laughs> putting ads out on social and saying they're paying 12 to 15 bucks an hour. Listen, you Jeez. you could go down at Amazon and get 20. Yeah. You could go flip burgers and get 18. Like exactly. so detailers aren't really used to paying what what, what other people yeah yeah more exactly. in theory of what they should we've always then, said you should spend and that's why I just do a percentage right yeah. when I'm paying out people it's a percentage you get fifty percent of whatever Absolutely. comes through yeah so because I've always felt that that's your biggest charge anyway when we didn't do that and we did hourly and people had six hours they worked on their car or four hours or whatever it is I mean. We just yeah. always found our labor rates being somewhere around 30 to 40%. But if we would pay them at that 40 easier. to 50%, yeah, they loved it. It was easier for us. We just, we could, we knew what it was yeah. at. And they tend to work chemicals. more efficiently because they need to get stuff yep. done. You yep. know? Yeah. And here's the most interesting part, which people don't understand. You start building out that system and you get guys that know that they can make really good money. And mm-hmm. then you become the business owner that just gets the cars in. Yeah. Where does that go? Because I'm telling you, I've said in the meetings with people that own on-site companies at dealerships, Mm -hmm. while there's a lot of detailers that will frown upon a dealership, listen, I've seen the guy's watch. I've seen his car. I've seen the way he dresses. (laughs) I've seen how many locations at dealerships he services. And at 125 bucks, if you've got exactly. 50 of those a day that you're making $30 profit on, 100 of those a day, not a week, but exactly. a day. Exactly. What does your in bank account look like <laughs> when you're turning in 30 to $40 profit straight to your bank account every day? I mean, exactly. it, it really it's a is huge amazing. Difference. Is. I'm so surprised that they they frown on dealerships, you know. Like it's 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 such a strange thing to me because uh they're approaching dealerships with a retail mentality. They're trying to say, oh, well, I want the dealership to pay me $350 for an interior clean or something. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen, but they're going to be able to bring you volume. That's the difference. So that's the trade-off is that you're, you're getting the volume, but you're doing it at a wholesale rate. Like that's, that's how business works, but they're going to keep you busy. And then what you do is you find someone who's going to do that work. So you're not doing it. 
can stay doing the $350 details if you want to and have someone else do the dealership work, but at least they keep you busy. And then I tell you, the minute you branch out into anything else, those dealerships, having that network, your, your income is going to be 20 times what it was before. Like for us, when we introduced PPF, oh my God, all the new car deliveries, oh geez, it's it's insane. It's astronomical in comparison to the de- like detailing side of it. I'll give them detailing for free if I had to, if it means I can keep the PPF contracts, 100%. I mean, don't tell them that and I hope they're not listening. But <laughs> but the point is, is that that's how profitable those things can become. And it comes with the volume. And these are places with high turnover of vehicles. Isn't that what you want? Like if you had a customer and he had, he owned 50 cars and he changed out his cars every month, that would be an awesome customer to have. And I'm sure you'd give him a deal. So just because he's got Toyota on the top, does that mean you don't want to work with them for some reason? Like, uh, anyway, that's why we work with you. There's a lot of your detailers that are customers that are going, what did he just like? Are you, it's not, I don't know if your dealerships want to hear that. Some of your detailers might not want to hear that. Oh, (laughs) like detailer customers. No, like your customers that are, you know, using Orbis X. Oh, what about working with dealers? Yeah. Why wouldn't they want to work with dealers? I think that was your question. Oh, that is my question. You should work with dealers. <laughs> but there's plenty of people that are listening to this or that are inside Orbis X that That's true. they have that been absolutely against. Against working with dealers. Actually, their theory is that it and actually deframes your business. Oh, I disagree completely. I think it's, it's all in how you approach it. I think uh, there's not necessarily a right and wrong way because anything depends on how your business operates, right? So for example, colder climates, or if you're mobile and don't have a shop, dealerships can be a gold send for you. I think for sure, because they've got a location. They often have trouble keeping detailers around internally. So they prefer to outsource that. So if you can get in there, you can usually get in under contract and you have a guaranteed flow during periods where you might be slow. If you're a mobile guy and you have to work outside, stuff like that. But also I don't think that offering one client a particular rate or discount or something like that takes away from what you're offering to the general public. You should be charging more to the general public, 100%. They're getting a very specialized service in comparison to the dealerships. The dealerships, the clean they're looking for is going to be different. Uh, most of the time, these will be like you know pre-sale or post-sale cleanings. It's not, it's not for their personal driver. You know, they're, they're not going to be driving these cars. They want it to be presentable in a certain way. And so I think that with the volume they're bringing you, that that's where it makes more sense. You know, like the definitely don't shy away from dealerships. And really, at the end of the day, it's up to you to negotiate the terms. Like you can say yes or no to something. You're not forced into it. But definitely, 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 that's there's some guys that are using Orbis X. They only deal with dealerships, and and they they've said I don't want to deal with the headache and hassle. You're talking to 800 customers in a day versus he's got five contacts that he talks to different dealerships. And he's handling, you know, 400 cars a month. You know, it depends on your personality. Like if you like driving out to people's houses and being out there on the road, then that might make sense for you to stay with the retail market. But I would bet, you know, I'll put $500 on it right now. If someone wants show me, start working with dealerships. And if your income doesn't improve in six months, I'll give you $500 cash. No joke. Um, And I know for a fact, if you work with dealerships, you will make more money. uh, 100%. And if, if anything, the extra experience of pumping cars out faster is going to make your retail customer detail jobs better, faster. And you're going to learn the biggest thing I've learned through detailing is that focus on what you can deliver within that price point to the customer, not what the customer is expecting. And what I mean by that is talk to the customer about the expectations of whatever package you're pushing to them. So this is what you can expect from this. This is what you can hope to see. If the guy shows up at the end of the detail with a flashlight and starts going through, you know, under the seats, looking to see if he did this and that, that you you haven't done your job right in the beginning. And so you're probably going to have to bite the bullet on that job, but you'll learn for next time to talk to the customer and and set the expectations. And so there there are some dealerships that they're just, they're not fun to work with. There's plenty of those, you know, big stores. Then there's, then there's those smaller, you know, buy here, yeah. pay here type of, of yeah. places. We finance right? everybody. <laughs> we finance everybody. And some of those, I mean, those go back and forth, right? I mean, some of those that I did it's were hit and miss for sure. We're good accounts. 
Yeah. But then some of them were assholes and they were the 100%. guy looking under the fucking yeah, seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're going, I paid you 85 bucks. Why the fuck did you know? Like, yeah, exactly. I was expecting you to like, reupholster everything. <laughs> yeah. So there will be pros and cons to working with them. And sometimes too, you could be working with a good account and it could turn bad or vice versa too. So I think the, with that, it's, it's a percentage game. So the odds of you working with a dealership that's bad compared to working with customers that are bad, you're probably going to encounter more retail customers that are going to give you headaches than you would dealerships, um, in my opinion. And the one advantage really is that if you start talking to a dealership and you don't like the terms or things don't really work out well, unless you escalate the situation, it's rare that a dealership's going to go on your Facebook page or your Google page and leave you a one-star review and be like, this guy didn't pick up my phone call or something. But that happens a lot with customers, right? So I think that you're, you're putting yourself in less risk by reaching out to some dealerships in terms of dealing with assholes. It's just a fact you're going to encounter fewer of them. And right. Generally, if you land some dealerships and they're yeah. happy with your work, it's years of business. Oh, years. easily, easily. Yeah. And like we've had some that signed on with us day one. Um, and basically like we started May, 2019 and they, they were with us, I think, not day one, like day one, day one. It was probably around August. It was around August. We started hitting up dealerships and they've been with us ever since. And they, we've seen them like expand their operations. One of the guys was one of those, like we finance every, no credit, good credit, bad credit. You know? Like as long as you have a pulse and, and he's now grown, actually, he's got a lot more professional operation. Uh, he's, he's bought his own building. He's got tons of cars now and we nurtured that relationship and he's just been happy with everything. Uh, he's, he was a guy that a lot of other detailers turned down. And initially he was concerned about our reliability and this, and that. So he asked us all kinds of questions, grilled us. We could have looked at that and just said like, oh, it's too many questions, not worth the headache. But we sat down, talked with him and we realized he had a bad experience with a couple of detailers before. So he was just concerned it was going to happen again. He's been great. And especially because one thing with him is they pay the exact same amount every time, flat rate. They drop off cars. Sometimes they drop off cars and it's, it's like this car's already been cleaned. And he's like, well, just, just do what you can, touch it up a little bit and send it back. Takes us maybe five, 10 minutes. We send them the same bill. Boom, they pay. Sends us some cars sometimes. And it, it's like, was it was a pack of chimpanzees living in here? Like what happened? You know, he gets the same flat rate. He's happy. He knows what to expect every time. He's like, I can expect the car to look like this. And it's going to be this price. He's not getting them showroom ready. Like we're not, it, there might be the occasional, like maybe there was a little, little hair left somewhere or something. And he realizes that, the customers that are buying his cars, they're buying cars in the, the three to $10,000 mark. So that's. Do you think detailers don't like doing that work because it's not show type, right? You, I, you just said showroom. They're so. not showroom. And yeah. I go, oh, maybe that's what it is because we can't put out the photos. We can't, yeah. you know, we, I we think can't go into that. So I, I did a. It's more, went, it's, it's more that gr like, I don't want to say grunge, but it's, it's, it's yeah. that, it, it, it's a it's a different style of detailing than, you know, paint correction and coatings. Yeah, it is. And I think that's where they need to realize, are they in business or is this satisfying more of a hobby type of mentality? And and by that, I mean, you could be making money still, but are you in it for the cars themselves? Like you like working on nice cars, making them look good. Is this like one of those like pimp my ride kind of scenarios or is this? like a genuine business uh, because like sit down and literally think about that for your own business. If you're listening uh, because for us, for example, I, I went to my shop the other day, I had to drop off a shop back and I went through and one comment, a lot of people always say is they're like, man, you, you got to do something with your floors. And I'm like, I don't give a shit about my floors. Customers don't go back there. I could care less. I don't own the building. It's a, we're in a huge like building. I could care less what the floors look like. That's a workspace. Cars come in dirty, they leave clean, period. The floors are clean. They're just bare concrete. I didn't get like the, the fancy Swiss tracks or whatever, all this stuff. I could care less, honestly. It's it's just not worth it. There's other places I'd rather put that money for the business. It's, it's not important to me. And I was looking around my shop and I thought the same thing. I was like, you know, a lot of people would probably look in here and be like, oh, geez, well, where's, where's all the Ferraris and this and that, you know, like that's not our focus with the business because we do get clients that we have one guy comes every Friday, McLaren. We get customers like that. No problem. We don't even put those out online 
It's not the customers we're trying to attract because if we put all of our marketing efforts there, we're going to get such a small pool of people compared to, I want the daily drivers. Do you know how many, like strength in numbers, guys? Like there's millions of those guys. My favorite customers, construction workers. They like their trucks clean. Their trucks are always filthy. The minute they step on a job, that truck is like just completely trash especially the branded ones. I love those accounts because those fleet accounts, the guy that owns it wants to pull up to a job site and he wants to see all of his guys on that are there with the trucks. They all look clean and pristine when it's covered in drywall or it's covered in, you know, dirt and debris and all kinds of shit. He wants them clean. Those are the best clients. He pays his bills. We're quick in and out. They take the truck. They're gone. High turnover. It's what else could you want? You know, like, and so that's, we sat down and decided that was our business model. So sit down and decide what yours is. If, if you want the Ferraris, go for it. Just understand that you're going to have to find ways to increase that volume or the ticket price because your, your pool of customers is small, you know? And the minute that one of those guys is upset for some reason, maybe you accidentally dinged his door or something, he gets upset. Guess what? He's in the only Ferrari group in your town. And now you're not working on another Ferrari. You know what I mean? So it's that fast that you're putting your business at risk. So think about that. Yeah. There's much more, many more lawyers rolling around in a, oh. <laughs> in a good Mercedes. It's not a, exactly, not a, you know, yeah. but it's just a good car. You know, there's plenty of people rolling around in a Lexus. It's a really nice car, but it's, it's, it's not a need of a full paint correction and exactly. quote, unquote, lifetime coding, right? They, yeah, exactly. Here at HyperClean, that's why we've been so specific. One, two, and three yeah. years, you know, not to say the five wouldn't be the thing, but one, two, and three, one, two, and three. That's mm -hmm. where the direction of where I've always seen the massive volume of daily drivers, where 100%. if you're going to want to use coatings and you want to make money at selling a coating and installing, the biggest volume is going to be on the daily drivers and they're going to want a one, two or three year protection. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah. Talk to a guy with the, you know, Toyota Camry. He's probably not thinking about 10 years of protection no. <laughs> or especially lifetime. <laughs> He's probably like, okay, I'm driving this till my lease is up. That's 48 months from now. And yeah. then I'm in something else, you know? Yeah. And he's like, I could care less. <laughs> I, I don't think that people really understand how many business owners or uh, well-to-do different, you know, people in society, let's say uh, above a hundred thousand dollars, you know, let's just yeah. put that in there. How many of those individuals lease cars? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. It's, it's rare actually that people do the, the finance side in, in yeah. a lot of tax brackets, you know, um, just because it's like having to worry about the maintenance repairs and all this kind of shit. And most of these people, they trade their cars in frequently and often. So they're like, well, this just makes sense. Oh, but yeah, at least every three years, <laughs> two to three exactly. years, the average, even if you get into that higher ech echelon clientele that are driving the nicer Mercedes or maybe a Porsche here and there, or, you know, Lexus yeah. or a, uh, geez, fuck, you could say a, a Ford truck now, right? A Ford yeah, truck's yeah. going to cost you 75 <laughs> grand. You know, That's like, true. you know, even those guys, they, yeah. they're not keeping them 17 lifetime. They're not doing it. Yeah. It's a, it's a waste of their money and it yep. doesn't build long-term business for you. And that one, two and three years is the way to go. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. yeah Cause I find that is something a lot of people don't know. It's the, the leasing side. And that like what a lot of people understand is that vehicles depreciate so fast that when you're getting a Until new one. Or even a one, yeah, exactly. This is the only time in our in the automotive history as you've ever found that you could buy a car a year ago and sell it now for more than it was. It's, it's never true. happened before. Yeah, yeah, ever. it's true. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like uh, Nick, you just picked up another G wagon, eighty five thousand over retail, over retail, and there's already buyers lined up. But here's the thing: y you buy one now for like three seventy. But there's buyers in China and Japan that are paying half a million US for them. What's the cost to ship it over there? Nothing. You know what I mean? So it's like, so it just makes sense. So, like, you can't lose with Sounds like ones. Greg telling everybody buy G Wags. Yeah, buy <laughs> yeah, start detailing it over G Wags. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, That's man. Funny. How's he doing, man? 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't talked to him in a bit. It seems to be uh, doing good. Seems to be doing good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I've been a minute. Oh, man, that's funny. Man. But yeah, I think that uh, so in terms of discounts, I do think that discounts have their place. What you're better off to do, though, is sell value. And so even if that comes with dealerships, just to go full circle here, I think that you can discount prices with dealership, but you can also sell value. So like what we did with that guy that comes in, sometimes he brings a clean car. Sometimes he brings a really filthy car. He gets a flat rate. We sold him the value that he can expect what he's going to pay every time. So that when he goes and he, he's at the auction and he's going to pick up a car, he knows fixed price. This is what he can add on for all his other expenditures before he sells it. So he can make a decision to buy that car or not. And so we sold him on the value of what we bring to the table and we just said, look, we can give you a fixed price for each one. But what it means is you bring us a car that's pretty clean. We're coming out ahead. But you bring us one that's dirty. You're coming out ahead. So it's a give and take. But he keeps us with the volume. So we sold him the value. And then other guys, you can do the same thing. You can say, listen, my, my prices will be you know, less than retail, but they're going to be up there. But what I'll do is this. Maybe I'll, I'll give you guys like coupons you can give to everybody. Not a coupon per se, but like a, a certificate or something to every customer that buys a car. And they get a post-sale cleaning. They just have to come see us and it'll be a fixed price package or something. And he works it into the price. He does whatever he has to do. And then the, the guys come see you afterwards and they're happy. They're going to leave five-star review for the dealership, five-star review for you. Life is happy. So, so sell the value of what you can do. You don't necessarily have to discount it. And that goes for customers too, I think. Retail um, with them as well. Instead of discounting, you know, everyone's doing the 25% off or 50% off or whatever. Don't go that route. Instead throw in stuff. So maybe talk to Marty and be like, Hey, listen, okay. How much can I get? You know, the slick for the Uno buy yourself some. And now you can say, and raise your prices $50 and then say, and we're throwing in a free year's coding. You know what I mean? So, so that kind of with, with a lifetime guarantee of happiness. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best customer. Not, Hey, let me slap this on and it won't see you oh, ever again, but yeah, yeah, exactly. lifetime of servicing the customer, of regularly yes. working with them. Most exactly. people don't understand. I, I still clean from 2003. We still, I started in 2002, but the, the customers I'm referring to, I picked up in 2003. We still clean their cars. Jeez, still. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. See? 19 and like, years ago. Yeah. And just think your, your cost of acquisition was a one-time thing for that customer. And now it's yielding dividends every year. Like, it's amazing. It's like, just think, you're planting a seed. What do I do? I don't put lifetime coatings on this car. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's a mistake, Marty. (laughs) You have to to put multi-generational coatings. It's good for your grandkids' lifetime. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We're never going to see your whole family again. (laughs) Craziness. Well, man, this was a good chat, though. Uh, Definitely. So, all right, cool. So, we'll do it again next week. Same time, same place. Awesome, Sounds good, man. brother. Thanks for everything. I gotta pick up my kids again. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's about Have to be noisy, noisy in the house. <laughs> yeah. All right, you too, Marty. Talk to you, man. See you.